0: The Black Lives Matter movement is not just something that's raging in America, but abroad as well. To speak more about the movement here and abroad is Jamina, Jamina Molinas, and she's on the beat right now. Jamina, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing well. Um, uh, just want to you... say hello, my, my
0: name, oh. Oh, no, <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Please introduce yourself. Okay.
1: Okay, I'm so sorry, I cut you off. Hi, everyone. So my name is Jamina Molina. I am a rising senior for the University of Manhattan, and I'm double majoring in Spanish studies and international studies on the Latin America track.
0: Awesome, awesome. And I I just want to preface this um, as well by saying, um, Jamina has also been a great role model as well for many incoming uh, commuter freshmen, Um, And I was just wondering, um, you know, we go to a campus situated in in the heart of Manhattan, right? Um, And 50% of the population um, are commuter students. And within that 50%, um, a large chunk are um, bi-POC students. So, you know, at at this very... um, moment right um with the entire movement happening um as well you know how do you think um these kids are feeling at this moment
1: i feel like in this moment like I feel like a lot of kids are just kind of like, where's like, where's the care from Fordham, especially with like the starting of the accounts, like the Black at Fordham and Let's Talk about at Fordham and how like those two accounts have given, but, like both accounts are given by PLC students to, um, to kind of discuss like all of these like issues that are going on campus that they wouldn't have normally discussed at. I feel like a lot of commuter students are really just kind of like looking for change because it's like there is a divide between commuter students and residence students, and We do realize that like, you know, all of our like, all of our friends are pretty much the BIPOC community. And it's, it's kind of like, we don't want to feel like we're outsiders to school. And so it's kind of like coming, like when we go back to school, we want to feel as if we're part of the community and we're not separate from the community just because we don't live on campus.
0: Mm-hmm. um and you know i like um you've mentioned you are um majoring in international studies um and so um earlier this month was um Juneteenth celebrating the full emancipation of uh enslaved black Americans and this weekend is um, the 4th of July, the celebration of American independence from uh, from Great Britain. And so I, I want to get your input on this because the American independence was sort of a liberation movement um, for Americans who aren't Black, ind- Indigenous, or other people of color. And so... You know, we're talking about independence, right? This entire show is talking about this idea of revolution as well. Do you see any similarities between the BLM movement and the uh, revolutionary period in American history?
1: Personally, for me, I would say no. But like if you were to like use the terms of a definition in terms of like when we were look up the the Mary webster dictionary and they're like, what is a revolution, they would say that these two movements are the same, but I would I, I would clearly say that they're completely different um,
0: you know, as said, like, where's it, that difference for you?
1: Uh, for me, I would say that because the American Revolution was pretty much fought for you know the white man and it was pretty much like... what their goals were in America and how they can control their wealth. And they didn't want, like, Great Britain to, like, control or have oversight of, like, what are their decisions that they do. Um, I even saw, like, a few weeks ago when the movement started to, like, get started, it was kind of like um, white Americans forget that the revolution started because they didn't want to, like, pay shipping handling on tea. Um, But, like, all seriousness, but in all seriousness, I think it's just kind of like, it wasn't fought for like the equality of all people. And as you said, it wasn't fought for the equality of black, indigenous, or other people of color. It was solely fought for the benefit of white men. And so these benefits have been preserved into law with the constitution. So when it says like, we the people are, you know, all men are created equal, it's really white men created equal. That's pretty much what it's saying. So, so that's why I don't think they correlate. in
0: Well, if we're going to, talk about sort of America and sort of like this entire like book of a novel right Mm -hmm. um you have the American War for Independence as say the first chapter um of that entire I guess saga length whatever you'd like to call it
1: um
0: if if this moment if this movement rather is another chapter you know in that book right um are there lessons to be learned in the past of what it means for independence? Hmm.
1: I would say in terms of learning from the past, and I guess I guess applying it from the present, that's the question,
0: right? Yes.
1: Um, I would say that in terms of learning from the past, I think that we would need to realize that America was founded on you know like the labor of slavery and so when you're looking at it in terms of the president of the Black Lives Matter movement in terms of a chapter I would say that it needs to really it needs to recognize the history of Black people in this country and so that's why in terms of like a traditional American independent sense I would say like you know the reason these two movements don't correlate with each other but if you're um but if it was if we're looking at if we're looking at american independence as this black lives if we're looking at this blm movement as a new american independence then i would say that this new independence movement is inclusive of everybody so it's not in the past where it was non-inclusive if that answers your question
0: so you would say that this is sort of American Independence 2.0, where it's- Yeah,
1: but like a completely different, yeah. Not like in the, uh, yeah, completely different.
0: Right. And so let's stay to that book analogy um, for a little bit, um, that chapter analogy. So, you know, like you said before, this country was founded on the basis of you are less than me. In a sense, it was founded on the idea of enslaved men, women, and children basically carrying this country um, on their back building um, everything in Washington DC um, and basically around the country honorable um, black men who served in the Civil War and unfortunately um, unfortunately got killed but even after then um, did not achieve like this level of equality that is still being fought for at, as we're seeing right now. So if this is the next chapter, right? Who should be writing that chapter and how should that chapter end?
1: I think, in terms of who should be writing the chapter, I think it should be not the politicians or, you know, not the like current history writers, but needs to be like the people. And it needs to be the people who are in the streets protesting. It needs to be the people who have been affected by the systemic oppression. It needs to be, you know, The other, um, it needs to be the other um, um, voices, the indigenous and other POC that are included in this movement. And I think that's how we can rewrite this chapter. So if it's not, because if we're focusing on the viewpoint of like politicians or other like current historical... Or current history companies, or textbook companies, whatever, or whoever is pretty much controlling the narrative in history. If we're using their narrative, it's not going to be rewritten. Or we're not going to have an American Independence 2.0. You know? But if we take control of it, as we're doing now in the streets, then that's how we can rewrite it.
0: Mm-hmm. And how how should that novel end?
1: I think the novel will end. The novel should end in terms of like, uh an equal and like just society, meaning that there's no, there is no, there's gonna be no need to be calling for defunding everything. Everybody's gonna have the same access to opportunities as everyone should. And that there won't be, you know, there's gonna be like less violence in this country, less oppression in this country, if we all have equal access. And if we rewrite it and we rewrite the system and rewrite everything, everything should be or would be equal.
0: Right and uh, just uh, a follow up um, on on that as well. Um, will will it get there in our lifetime? Will it ever get there, or will there always be sort of that constant struggle? I, it's been going on for two, almost over two hundred fifty years.
1: Yeah, that's that's a very hard question because like like when I think about like my mom who was born in like 1963 and she's now like 57 years old it's kind of like 57 years has passed by and there's still like these same kind of injustices so I I would love to see it happen in my lifetime and I hope it does happen in my lifetime but it's like so hard to tell but I think that with this current movement I think that change could happen in our lifetime so we may not see it you know in the next you know, year or so, but hopefully, like, you know, in hopefully in the next 40 years or 50 years that we ha- we do see some change and we do see a rewriting of American, um, of American, like, values and um, systems.
0: Do you see it coming in waves? As in, yeah. well, this will happen and then give it give it time, then this will happen, give it more time, and then this will happen? Or do you think it's just going to be a straight overhaul um, overnight overnight not in the literal sense of overnight but in the metaphorical yeah. sense of overnight
1: yeah i mean i would love for it to happen overnight but i feel like it will happen in like waves or different um kind of just different things like we'll start with one thing and then we're going to move on to the next issue move on to the next until like we completely like knock it down so because of course it's kind of like with everything you do you're going to receive pushback so it's kind of like I think it's like, as long as you start with one issue and everybody comes to consensus of how this needs to be written and we redone, then I think it'll come in waves until it comes to an eventual.
0: And you know, it's not just in the United States where we're seeing um, this movement, um, the BLM movement, it's happening around the world right now, especially in um, Europe. And so I wanna ask you, is this a a global problem of systemic and systematic racism, and what can be drawn from it to address these specific issues?
1: Yeah, I would say um, racism is pretty much a pandemic, just as much as COVID is. There's no, I don't think it's like a lot of people. I think a lot of people in America and even other countries think that racism is just an American thing because you know you more often hear of like the racist or the police brutality of here than you do in other countries, but other countries are pretty much just as racist or even more. So I think that what can what can be drawn in terms of like how to move forward into like in terms of a global issue is that we need to recognize like all these countries need to recognize the role that they played in racism in terms of like especially primarily like America and you know European countries because they kind of spread their ideals into all of their former imperial imperial empires and so that's why a lot of their current imperial empires have this kind of like carry these notions of racism because it's kind of like they carried it from colonialism so it's kind of like it's acknowledging it's acknowledging the role of racism that has played in countries since like their formation and it's acknowledging how to move forward and how to kind of um, remove it from society, and then how, as a global community, like we can come together and dismantle like the entire systemic oppression overall.
0: And how do you think, you know, if if you're gonna address it globally, right? It has to be some sort of network that that's gonna that's gonna run through everything. And um, if if you're saying that politicians can't write. Um, th- this chapter, and it-, it has to be the activists and the protesters um, to write this chapter. Then, how do you make America the catalyst for change and then have that spread over?
1: Um, I think, I feel like, in terms of how to make America the catalyst, for change, I feel like if we um, kind of like defunded and abolish our current police system, I think it would very much um, spark change in other countries to do it because a lot of countries already look up to America for its like current models of like how to how to be a government or like how they should govern themselves. So I think that if we were to like reform our police and, um, and our prison system, I think it would really much start a catalyst change into other countries, which would help in the race, like the movement in dismantling racism at a global level.
0: Uh, you mentioned um, abolishing or defunding um, the police. That's been sort of the, the rallying cry um, during this movement. And you know, we're seeing a lot of young people, not 20 year olds, 20, 21 year olds um, like ourselves, but um, 15. 16, 17, um, 18 year olds. I'll be even younger um, Mm -hmm. going out into the streets and they're calling for a complete revolution um, in in government. So what what does that mean? Um, And is it abandoning um, like everything, like just start from square one all over again, or is it more of a reformation and restructuring? I think Cause I just want a clear definition.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for me, in terms of defunding police, I think it's a bit abandoning the current. Why? Well, I I believe it's I believe it's abandoning the current system that we have, because the current system of policing is pretty much based on racism, and that the police were kind of formed to hunt, you know, runaway slaves or former um, or kind of just hunt. Um, uh kind of had black people to get arrested when you know um uh the prison labor was were starting um in the country in like, the reconstruction period so and for me it's it's kind of a like abolishing the system and we're going to start from square one and we're going to have the police like not we're not going to get rid of the police but we're going to have the police for what they're there to do which is to serve communities and protect them but not in the same way that they do now so for example, like removing police from schools, like they don't not, they don't need to be in schools and like removing police from like handling like mental health issues in communities or even in the streets. They, they're not equipped to do these things. And so it's kind of like all of these things. If we remove the funding from the police and we put it into communities and have like therapists and social workers, we won't be having these crime problems. And even um, um aoc she kind of said the other day it's kind of like without police, what we have is just a suburban america and so it's kind of like that's what i mean by defund the police and abolish it, that we need to abolish it and we so in terms of abolish we need to defund, and then we also need to abolish the system recreate a new one so that it's their serving communities but not in an overextended capacity that they're doing now
0: so i i like i said i just want to get it clear so by what you're saying by defunding is to um, abandon the current system um, that has been rooted in um, systemic, systematic racism, and then restructuring it um, to be what the definition of what policemen and women should be, which is to help and service um, their communities. Yes, that's
1: exactly what, Yes, abandon. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And do the, yes,
1: exactly what
0: it is. Okay. And do you think, um, do you think you need a law and criminology to be a police officer? Um, I don't think. you. Currently right now you only need, I would, I think it was 800 hours um, in the police academy and a high school diploma. Other countries, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. You can finish your thing
0: with other countries. Oh, other countries um, take two to four years um, to train and they need a college degree in some sort of criminology. Um, there was also a TikTok that was going around um, saying how this uh, woman who lived in Germany um, had sort of like a dinged, um, a dinged mirror and she was stopped um, on the road by the police um, in Germany, albeit that she is... A white woman, um, but the fear of being in a foreign country, being stopped by the police, is still nerve-wracking in a sense. And so um, she she got startled, and the police said to her, um, "Who do you think we are? American police? We're just here to like fix your your dinged uh, mirror." Um, in Germany, they uh, take extensively longer to train their police force, and I believe they require a degree to be police officers do you think that should be implemented in america
1: yeah i i think that totally 100 percent because it, it it doesn't make sense that like to be a lawyer and to like uh, or even to, like to be a criminal defense lawyer like you have to go to school for like seven years and you do all this extensive things to become a lawyer and then to become a cop it's only a mere like 800 hours i think that cops require extensive training and not only just in criminology, but I think that they also should be equipped in terms of like um, with mental health and psychology resources as well, so that, you know, even for even though they shouldn't be, but if they happen to find themselves in a situation where they may would need to assist somebody, that they are they have like the skill set that they need. Do you think that cops need to have some form of degree of law and that I don't think the current training should not The current police academy training should not suffice what um, an education would do in law and criminology.
0: And just to give a heads up, um, on average, it takes more hours to be um, a cosmetologist, a person to cut your hair, than it does um, to be a police officer in America at this moment. Jamina, the first line of the Constitution we, the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, is America becoming a more perfect union because of the people right now? I'm not saying it's perfect, but um, is it on track um, to be a more perfect union?
1: I would say it's on track. With the the current civil rights movement that we're in now, I would say it's on on track and it can be on track as long as everybody's committed to
0: do it. Jamina, we're almost out of time, but I wanna ask you this final question do you have hope?
1: I definitely do have hope. I mean, that's all I can do for the future. Um, Like, when I look ahead, I I can't, because if you continue to think negative, it's just going to, like, be more stressful on you and bring you down. Um, But, I mean, I don't have, like, enough words to say how frustrating this whole thing is to grow up in a society where, like, I'm oppressed because of the color of my skin and furthermore because I am a woman and so it's kind of like being double oppressed as being a black woman but I just I just have hope that the future is going to change and that you know for the black community it's kind of like we're we're like pretty much very resilient and very strong we're very strong and not in a negative way but like in a beautiful way and that I think as long as we continue to build this community within ourselves I think we're going to continue to be such a like a strong force and that you know hopefully in the future it's going to be a beautiful society and so all i can do is have close that's pretty much all i can do
0: jamina thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it
1: thank you so much for having me i'm so excited this is really cool i like this a lot